We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. better than the person giving Steinmetz all his hot takes all day. Uh, Kyle, what's up, man? Yeah, I, I appreciate that somebody is recognizing that that's me, the man behind the takes. Steiny says, hey, what, do you, what am I supposed to think about Andrew Wiggins? And I said, here you go. So. Your uh, sources say you're the person who told him uh, that Steph is never going to be better than a sixth man and that Monte Ellis is better? No, he said that back when I was tweeting at Matt Steinmetz, trying to get him to notice me. Um, so I will not be taking responsibility for for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get into it on this one. I think this was the Warriors' best game of the season. Um, obviously, this is the best team they've beaten record-wise. I guess you could say the win on MLK Day against uh, the Lakers might have been the best win of the season or that like 20-point comeback against the Clippers the week prior. Uh, either way, this is up there. Um, probably the best shot-making I've seen from the Warriors all season. Um, I, they finished the game, I think it was 16 for 31 from three, which is just outright unsustainable. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of funny because in general, if the Jazz get up five more threes than you, you're probably going to lose. All right. Sorry, they ended up getting up. 13 more threes in you. That's usually not a good sign. But hey, if you're going to hit them at that unsustainable rate, <laughs> you can get a W in that night. Um, I thought the Warriors' energy level was awesome tonight. Um, just not a lot of complaints other than um, you know, the usual <laughs> second unit stuff. Right. I think that was, I think that's why for me, this was the best win of the year, though, because save for like the first three minutes 
of the of the second quarter and then the first three minutes of the fourth quarter, I didn't think it was a total disaster from the second unit. Um, obviously, it's still not awesome, but the fact that it didn't turn into uh, a ten point Jazz lead and instead they kept it, you know, I, I think the Jazz got as close as one against the second unit, but then they got it to five and they kept it in that range where Steph and Draymond and everybody could come back in and, and stretch, stretch a lead back out. So it wasn't, it's still not good. Like you said, what happened today was totally unsustainable, but it gave you a nice glimpse of what, of what they can be when put in a spot where, where they're maximizing what they have. Yeah. So like, I guess we're going to start here. Uh, Today is Steph's birthday. He is 33 years old, which I know, you know, that's what happens, but still weird to think of him at that age, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's weird to think all of a sudden he's like one of the older guys in the league and like a stage veteran. Um, I thought Steph played a great game. I thought he was actually pretty in control. Like, it wasn't a, I mean, (laughs) let you know how good he is. And you're like, I was just like a casual, efficient 32 and nine for him. You know, like I don't think he took over the game at any point or anything today, but um, he didn't have to, he picked his spots. He hit his shots when he needed to uh, always good to get the birthday W. I actually think the bigger story today was Draymond and Wiggins. Um, yeah. Draymond had 11 points in the first half. He ended with 11 points, but I think that's the first time all season. He's had double digits and a half. Um, we've all seen the numbers when he scores double digits, they win. Um, don't know if that's such a good thing that it doesn't happen so often, but in general, they need Draymond to be enough with, they need Draymond to take advantage of what the defense gives them basically. Yes. And we saw him do that today. And that's something, that's something that was so frustrating early in the year was there would be an open lane to the rack and he wouldn't take it. And he would catch the ball on the wing with a with an open jumper and he wouldn't take it. And he's not going to hit him at a huge clip, but I would so much rather he catch and shoot when he's wide open than stand there and try and wait until the offense develops. Yeah, and I don't, so I don't think, think that was encouraging for me. I don't think there's like a specific number of threes I want him to take, but like no. he took at least three today, which they were like, you know, he gets the ball on the perimeter. They're leaving him wide open because they're overhelping on staff. And he just let it fly. That's what mm-hmm. I really want. I don't want to see that, like, scan the floor, yell like a traffic cop for three seconds. And then when no one's open, then he shoots it kind of off rhythm. Just shoot it. If you're wide open, just shoot the ball. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you start shooting five to six a game and is only shooting 10%, then maybe we'll, you know, we'll reconsider this. But as of right now, I just wanted to shoot in rhythm because I'm pretty sure he'll get up to about 30-ish percent if he starts doing that and stops thinking so much. Yeah, I think he's not he's not a terrible – he's not a bad basketball player. Like, he's going to start making them if he just catches and shoots. Particularly, and think- particularly the type he's getting. Like, these aren't Steph yes. Curry three-pointers. <laughs> right. And if he's going to get – if he's going to catch it on the wing – I would so much rather, like you said, he just catch it and put it up. He if it's if it's going one for four a game, fine, but at least make the defense think about it. And that's that's what I saw him do today. And like I said, I'm not I don't I don't have any visions that he's gonna shoot thirty eight percent from three again. I think that was a total anomaly. But right. can he get up 
a little bit over 30 the rest of the way, I, I think that'd be helpful. That's his random uh, 40 home run season when the rest <laughs> of his like baseball card says like 18 homers a year. Right. Yeah, his uh, probably, yeah, he's probably not going to do that again. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say, the other story is Andrew Wiggins. First time he's had like a, I don't want to say great game, but like a high impact game probably in a month. Uh, I feel like, you know, uh, the story of the last month was like just how good Oubre had played. It kind of overshadowed the fact that like Wiggins was dragging. He did not look so good uh, for a while there. So, so it was good to see him come out. I mean, overall, like with the starters, that's probably the biggest story. I, th- I feel like actually the story that everyone here wants to talk about is probably uh, is James Wiseman. You know, good old Big Jim. Um, <laughs> or are we still calling him Big Jim? We're gonna ride with that. I think we need to ride with that for a little bit. Um, we have to. It's a it's a strong nickname. I know he doesn't like it, but yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna ride with Big Jim. So I mean, he played twenty three minutes tonight, which is kind of what I want us. Ooh, and here he is joining us, uh, author of the Victory Machine, machine, and uh, <laughs> all around um, troublemaker with his uh, with his Warriors takes over the years. Uh, Ethan Strauss, Ethan, how you doing? I let you made my book sound Italian. Very, yeah, I don't know what that was all about. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I was uh, I was looking at the box score. I see Nico Mannion's name. I can't do two things at once. So I'm not I'm not that talented. So, um, what I was gonna say, we were just about to talk about James Wiseman's game. So, why don't we start there? What did you think of old Big Jim today? <laughs> I love the Big Jim nickname. It's too bad that he hates it, but it makes it even funnier. Uh, it's it's just completely classic. It's really a joke about. Fits. I don't know if he knows that right now at age 19, but he doesn't get that it has nothing to do with him. It is a joke about Bob Fitzgerald, and we're all highly amused by it. Um, I thought his game, you would have wanted to see a little bit more of that aggression that he had in garbage time where he was snatching rebounds out of the fray. And there were a few defensive mistakes, but other than that, I, I love the offensive aggressiveness, and I do think... In the LaMelo love, people have lost sight of just how much talent this guy has and how he could become a potential superstar. I still think that's on the table, and I do think that was on display. So that's kind of something I've been going back and forth with. Like, just going to be honest with you, like, gun to my head, I would probably have preferred LaMelo because I just kind of always, if it's a playmaker versus a big, even if we're talking about, like, a modern big who could be destroyer of the world to, like, an Anthony Davis, Giannis type of thing, like... I just have a personal bias. I'm going to go towards the playmaker. That's just kind of the type of basketball I like to watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But with that said, there's a second layer to it where I don't know that it's fair to even compare them because I don't know if the Warriors are using Wiseman in any sort of coherent way that like plays to his strengths. And that's the part that frustrates me. I think that's fair. And I do think I'll be writing about it this week. Uh, There's a lot of questions about, how good are they at developing guys? Do they have a cohesive plan? Do they have issues? Are they trying to reform themselves because they haven't done as good a job as they would want to recently? I want to be fair about it um, because there are multiple perspectives and it's it's so hard to know because you really can't know how good we're, we're guys supposed to be. Because you can say that they've done a bad job, but it's not like Jordan Bell went off somewhere and became a star, right? It's not like, 
these guys have ended up somewhere else and completely blossomed. So uh, I'm going to try to take a look at it. I think that there are some issues as far as how integrated their G League is compared to their uh, big leagues team. And they're not all on the same page. And that might be why we have seen these guys go down to the G League and they come back and they look like completely different players. Jordan Poole being the most obvious example. So that's one aspect. I do think if you are to form a Kerr criticism and he has the strengths and weaknesses, additionally, um, I sometimes think that he tries to fit a guy into a system rather than fit a system to a guy. And for a young player, uh, that can be a difficult slog. And I think that, that that's what we maybe have seen the early days of Big Jim. Although I will say I don't think they've had him playing like Kevon Looney recently. It does seem like they're tailoring what they do a little more to what he does. And I think too he played today, and I agree with Ethan that the aggression that he had against the Clippers reserves wasn't there. But he played like a guy who knew he was going to get 25-ish minutes. What he played? 20, 23? Yeah. So he played like a guy who knew he was going to be out there. And he wasn't going to get taken out the first time uh, he, he missed a switch on defense. So I, I liked what I saw. Obviously, you'd like to see more than four boards from a guy who's seven foot, 240 pounds. But that, that, I think, is something where he's just got to grow. Like He just has to physically get stronger. I think that'll that'll come. But... I I like that he caught the ball today. <laughs> which is great. It's a no that pass that Ubre made to him um on on the break. There's I think like two weeks ago, I don't think he catches it. <laughs> um yeah. and that that's a maybe unquantifiable thing, but it just it was a play that I didn't think he was capable of making, and he did. And at this point, any sign of growth, any kind of positive like yeah, hey, that was a couple of good plays. I'll I'll take that. Yeah, and I, I thought he was good for the most part. And I think maybe that's the argument against how they were using him before. Um, in this almost like a rookie hazing of you don't get to do anything you want to do. Let's have you with your back to to the basket, but not in the paint. Back to the basket on the perimeter, looking to set a screen off the ball. That makes it harder for a young player to just string a few moments together, right? to get into some sort of flow in the way that he does when he scores. And I think they need to take advantage of what he does well. He's a scorer. I like how Bob Myers described it to me, that he's thirsty to score and that that's something that he likes. So play into that. Try to use that. Try to take advantage of that. I think what we all want to see more of, uh, and you didn't see too much of it in this game. You saw Steph Wiseman pick and roll. But that that Wiseman cool pick and roll, if you need to fit Wiseman into a role and he's not going to be a big minutes guy you need him to float the second unit you need points I think that there's there are a lot of positives here as to yeah Poole and Wiseman it might not be great defensively but offensively they can put up some points in a nice pick and roll rhythm and that's something you can maybe see in the second half of the season it does feel like like every time you watch James Wiseman you feel like he has like scratched 1% of the service of what he can do. Cause there's, you know, the physical stuff goes without saying, and he has all these budding skills and you're like, he has no idea what he's doing. And then you, yeah. on top of that, it's with all that said, he still scored 16 points on eight of 11 in 23 minutes. So it's like, it's, they should be probably using him more in pick and rolls with Jordan pool. I actually wanted to get to Jordan pool. Uh, you wrote about him. Um, was it Thursday or Friday? Right at the Who end knows of last. How time works anymore. I don't know. What's there time? are no there are no more days anymore. Um, <laughs> it was 
And, and you, you wrote about how when he went to the G League, that kind of uh, really helped his development, got him to speed it up and make decisions quicker. Was it a half second or less that they were asking him to do? Why yeah. is it and, – and you mentioned it earlier. Why is it that you think that the G League, uh, I guess Santa Cruz Warriors and regular Warriors are not aligned in the way that they're developing players? Isn't that like the whole purpose of having a G League affiliate, to have it all streamlined? I think they broke off from one another because they were in such different circumstances. The Warriors, for about a half decade, were in a circumstance that was different from every other team in the league, where they were playing for championships, where – they didn't really need to develop anybody to win the championship, right? So it's hard to have an, an intensive focus on integrating what you're doing in the NBA to the G League. You come to Steve Kerr in the middle of the dynasty and you go, hey, you got to get more on the page of the G League and vice versa. It's just not high in the stack of stuff to do, right? So I think they got a little bit used to that. And I think they've diverged. And I also think that some of what Kerr believes in is at odds um, is at odds with what they do in the G League, where they try to get up a bunch of three, and Kerr believes in having the mid-range as a weapon, especially for the playoffs, where they try to take everything away. So I think that's the circumstance where they broke apart in many different directions, and now I believe they're trying to tether it back together, um, and it's a process, and it hasn't been a smooth process. But a guy like Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole looks five times better every, every time he comes back from the G League. And that's uh, a compliment to the G League staff, but it might also be a bit of an indictment to the Warriors at the NBA level that they're not exactly the best right now at developing young players. Do you guys think that if, like, Marquise Chris was healthy, they would have sent Wiseman to the G League at some point? Yeah, I could have seen that happening. That, that might have happened. Um, he might have benefited from it. But the, the G League's a weird place for bigs because pretty much – Bigs of quality aren't there, and mm-hmm. you can put up a lot of numbers and maybe not get shout out Alan Smilagich. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Alan Smilagich is a giant down there, an athletic marvel. Um, so I'm not sure if the G League is as great a place for bigs to develop as it is for perimeter players, just because if you're a big who can do anything, you're probably in the NBA. All right, so let's get let's get back to this game a little bit then. Um, where are you with the Jazz, Ethan? They are everyone's uh, favorite. I mean, everyone's favorite fraud. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's like a <laughs> contingent, there's a contingent of people who think they're for real, but like the larger, they're a fraud to the general public until they see it in the playoffs. This is generally how it goes. Are, in aren't they, don't they do this every year? I mean, this is a new incarnation with right. the three point records and everything else, but. It does feel like this happens every season where they put together a nice stretch and we go, oh, look at the Jazz. Oh, my God. And hey, maybe this is the year it happens. I, I don't know. I can't write anything off. I mean, uh, but it, it does feel like an it, like an annual rite of passage for them. And there is that question of are their dynamic scores really that dynamic? You know, can Rudy Gobert be effectively schemed against in the playoff series? Uh, in a way that is different. Now, people would say, hey, it's not his fault. He's gotten some bad matchups. Going against the Warriors for that high screen and roll, terrible matchup. Going against James Harden, not a great matchup for him. But, yeah. Anthony Davis, not Anthony, a great matchup. But, you know, winning the championship's hard. Only one team gets to do it in a given season. So, I, I'm, I'll believe it when I see it. As much as I appreciate what they've done, I enjoy watching them. 
on league pass. I'm, I'm very much in the believe it when I see a category uh, when it comes to the jazz who maybe there's a, this other aspect too, because you remember the Denver nuggets used to be this team year after year back in the day. I do wonder if some of these high altitude teams, really there are only two, the, the nuggets and the jazz might get a bit of a boost that makes them look a little better in the regular season and then disappoints mm. us in a playoff setting when teams hunker down and spend an extended period of time in one location. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think I think it was George Carl who well, – it was definitely George Carl. He said he thought the altitude gave him four to five wins a season when he was coaching at Denver. And, like, I don't know if that's true. But you definitely – like everyone know, everyone's seen their favorite team get the back to back in Denver when where Denver's the yeah. second half, and you can just pretty much pencil it for a loss if right. Denver or Utah, whichever altitude it, team you have, shows up in any sort of capacity. It definitely seems like a thing too, where it can pad the point differential because you're losing by nineteen, and it can turn right. to forty in a way that is a little bit uh Misleading. not so much like the other like the other locations and uh so i think that there is an element of that it almost creates a more high variance scenario for a team in defeat uh than is usual and so i think that that ramps up the factors that make us wonder whether they could be a fraud Derek yeah. favors is minus 23 in 16 minutes oh yeah big yeah, jim big he's jim also not 30 up. yet how is Derek favors not 30 yeah. Well, yeah, he looked way less effective <laughs> against Pascal as a small ball big than uh, than Zubox did, who just looked like Will Chamberlain against Pascal. <laughs> so I think that that shows you something that you can go small against favors in a way that you can't necessarily against Gobert. And that difference was uh, that difference is manifest. Yeah. And um he might be number one on my list of, I can't believe how young he is in the league. Just that, in general, I feel like he's, you know. He's been in the league for like, 18 years. That's going to be Looney, by the way, in like a year or two. People are going to be like, wait, Looney's, <laughs> what is, Looney's what, uh, 24 or 25? I like how Bob Myers put it, that Kavon's an old soul. <laughs> as represented by his physical appearance, apparently. It's 25. He turned 25 this year. <laughs> Yeah, That's so absurd. every year we're going to do this. I can't believe yeah. he's only 26, Vaughn here. He's only 27, but, you know. He looks, like older than the, he looks older than the gypsy woman in Drag Me to Hell. I <laughs> no offense. No offense. I love Kevon. The Drag I, Me to Hell reference on a Sunday. This is unbelievable. It's a solid movie. It's a great movie. It's fantastic. It just goes. Um, yeah, he, he definitely looks more like a veteran than he is a veteran. I, I talked with him a bit, and I was – uh, just, I was marveling at the fact that he is this old, salty vet now is his role to school wise men in the ways of the league. And I guess he is that, but it feels like a minute ago that I was watching him at Summer League. Eric Pascal is less than a year younger than Kevon Looney. Amazing. Hey, Kevon still got upside. I think that's what we uh, take away <laughs> from this whole thing. Next year, the three is coming. He's uh, he's slowly on David Lee watch with like next year, the three is coming. It's going to change oh. everything for him. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. um, well, that's the interesting thing with Chris Big Bosch. Jim, man. Big Jim's got to just take the three-pointer. Yes. That was one thought I had, and I was thinking about turning it into an article, but it doesn't fit with any narrative because the Warriors had their best win of the season. But it almost seems like the Jazz are on this tip of, yeah, we're not really trading a good shot for a great shot. We're just taking the good shot. You know, the, the shot clock's 24 seconds. We're not really into this whole 
tons of ball movement, precious. It's got to be in rhythm. No, if it's good, take it. And it seems like that's the wave that a lot of the league is on. And the Warriors, I believe, should probably move more in that direction. And why, you know, with some of these units that they have out there, yeah, maybe Big Jim isn't as good a three-point shooter as his percentage says. But I would just rather if Gobert is sagging off him like that at the beginning, as Gobert will do when Steph is not in the game, um, just, just take it. Just take it. If they're developing players, develop them. We were, talking, that, is, we were talking about that before you came on with like, okay, Draymond was one for four tonight, but it was like stark to see him just let it fly when he was wide open. Like it's been years since he's done that. And yeah. that's probably going to benefit the team long, long run. I mean, I'm assuming Draymond will eventually get to 30%. Who knows? But I'd rather him do that than the, the traffic cop, you know, holding the ball, yelling at everyone to keep running and cutting for five <laughs> seconds, only to pass it to like Steph with three guys draped all over him. And like two steps credit, he makes those at a rate (laughs) that no human should, but like, I don't know that that's a good shot either. (laughs) It's not the right play. No. Draymond's whole thing is I'm going to make the right play. And it's like, great. You're wide open uh, at the break. Shoot it. Like that's the right play there. Yeah. Just, you know, stay in the flow. Draymond's weird because it almost seems like it's a good shot. As long as he's in a dead sprint coming from the top of the key. (laughs) And he has that much momentum to get under the ball. At that point, it becomes a good shot for him. Um, but, yeah, I think we'd all like to see that. I just It might have not worked so well, and I know that the, the possessions matter and they're trying to win, they're trying to make the playoffs. But, again, just play, the, play to the strengths. What can this guy do that maybe some other guys can't do? Uh, it seems with Wiseman that maybe he can shoot that three. If you start getting that going, then you can build off of it and use the athleticism turn that threat into a pump fake drive, right? And then you just start building blocks one on top of the other. But uh, I think that they're trying to change their approach with him. I just don't know if they've been completely focused and integrated in how they are developing him. I think a lot of the guys they have on the developmental team are good and have good reputations. I just don't know if it's all come together and everybody is on the same page of saying, hey, we need you to do this hey, we need you to hit this mark. Hey, we need you to take X amount of threes per game, hopefully, right? right. I don't know if that's all been communicated in a way that helps young players succeed. And I think part of the issue for the Warriors is they're not used to having young players. They don't totally know how to handle them. I, I know somebody from another team said, you know, and and who knows what the exact circumstances are of how the testing was missed and how much Wiseman's culpable he is ultimately culpable but I was hearing some people from other teams grumble to me about how look these other teams they're checking in with their rookies with their young players all the time they're making sure they're getting these tests hey can I drive you there hey are you getting them and it seems like with the Warriors that they might expect a Steph Curry level of professionalism from everybody including 19 year olds and that might not be the right way to go about it and and 19 is the key point. Like, he's far more mature. He appears more mature than, like, your average 19-year-old, but that does not mean he's not 19 and, like, prone to, I was playing video games and didn't check what time it was and no one contacted me type of brain farts. <laughs> that, like, we all had at that age, to be honest. So He turns 20 in 17 days, guys. At that point, I'm, I'm done using the no, age excuse. Enough baby. Not a teenager anymore. But... <laughs> It's yeah, it's like, yeah, it is his fault. He is culpable for doing that. But the other teams, maybe we expect that of guys of that age. 
And the Warriors' only super young guy was Kevon Looney, who we've established earlier in the conversation. Is an old soul. soul. (laughs) Perennially young. And also would screw up in some ways, too, and didn't play his first season, so you weren't even seeing some of those screw-ups, but needed Draymond to yell at him and say, no, you've got to come to practice during your rehabs. And, yeah, he wasn't perfect, but he was probably better than 98% of 98% of rookies. And I'm not sure that's the, I'm not sure that's the most uh, accurate baseline expectation. Do you think one last Wiseman thing, and then I kind of want to open it up to questions here, but do you think that they're not encouraging him to let's say, let it fly from three because they have different developmental priorities, like more traditional, like establish yourself, establish the basics and then extend your range. Or it has more to do with like, if he lets it fly, he's going to inevitably miss a bunch of shots and go through a cold streak because he's not Clay Thompson. He's not Steph Curry. And even those guys go through cold streaks and they don't want to... Saying letting it fly sounds good until he goes 0 for 8 from 3, two games in a row, and that costs you wins. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think there are different developmental priorities, like you said. And I think we should be clear that these are reasonable differences of opinion, but maybe you would want everybody to have the same opinion. Um, And that might be more important. I, I, I say this with my wife sometimes because we have a toddler. Uh, soon to turn three and I I say in a way the fact that we're unified might be more important than that we have the right strategy that I'm not saying one thing to him and you're saying the other thing that it it is more important to to have that cohesiveness and I think of the Warriors a lot of them have that more Maury Ball perspective Warriors staff front office of he should let it fly and shoot the three and Kerr has that perspective of you need to get your bachelor's degree before your postgraduate or whatever he said to me which you know it's not that old school I think Nate Duncan feels that way for instance that Wiseman hitting a few threes could be the worst thing for him but I think what's important is that everybody has the same opinion and is and is messaging it the same way maybe that's happening maybe that isn't but in, in a way I think that's that's the thing that needs to happen is that the messaging is clear and the goals are clear and that's how growth can happen you know, that makes sense. Are we sure that's what's going on? I, I'm i not very sure that that's what's going on, just based on the early results. I mean, I think we see a situation where Wiseman became worse over the season. I don't think that speaks to a situation where uh, they're doing everything they need to do to keep things clear and to make it obvious what his uh, goal should be and the way it's been up and down of, Oh, he's starting. Now he isn't. Oh, he's going to start. Oh, he missed the test. Now he's coming off the bench again. Um, It just seems like it hasn't been the most stable atmosphere. Uh, But I always hold out the possibility that they're learning from their mistakes and they're doing better. I would say the past couple of games, just in the way that he's been used, might speak to that because it does seem like he is being used more in the way that plays to his strengths than uh, earlier where for a while they were trying to make him Kevon Looney. And I do think it's, it's fair to point out like uh, this podcast and Andy and I have uh, certainly not been shy with our criticisms over the years, really? but um, uh, yeah, I, that, that is a true statement. That. <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say is like Kerr took over a team of 
players who'd already made the playoffs. I mean, they've, they've never, they've never drafted in the lottery since Kerr's been the head coach. So there's like, and it's not like he's coached before. So I don't know why you would, it seems like a lot of it's common sense, but like you kind of do have to give a little growing room for a staff who hasn't necessarily had to deal with that in the past. I mean, the youngest player they had was Harrison Barnes, who was entering year three. Like he was, he was a young player, but he wasn't a rookie. Yeah. And he wore a suit to uh, the pre, the, the uh, whatever it was called. I can't even remember what it was called. Was it the combine he wore a suit to? So he was uh, he was aspiring to a certain level of maturity. So I'm go- I'm gonna start. I'm gonna need more clarity on this. It's not enough to hear that he wore a suit. Now I need to know what kind of suit he wore. I need <laughs> I need to know if it was tailored. Suit. Was it off the rack? Um, <laughs> it's the big Steve Harvey style suit. <laughs> was it a uh, was it was it you know was it was like a modern fit? Did he have like the old boxy fit? Like he took it from dad? Like I, I don't know. I need these. I need these type of details because at this like point, a, it's just assumed that whoever the Warriors draft wore a suit. It was a Mark Twain style gleaming white suit with a top hat. It was a very strange <laughs> sartorial choice, but it spoke to even more maturity that he could pull it off. It spoke to confidence that he had. Yeah, I think that there, there is some patience that you have to allow for, for them to get everybody on the same page. But I certainly understand the frustration of the fans who have seen this team receive nothing but praise. And I, I in a way think some of the Kerr backlash is fueled by how soft we are on him. Admittedly. Right. Uh, I think that that's part of what we're seeing. We're seeing a bit of a fan rebellion of, we know this guy's not going to get criticized at all in the local media. So we're going to try to provide that backlash ourselves, um, you know, in addition to whatever grievances might be legitimate. I do think that's also part of the story here and why you're seeing some of that burble up on Twitter beyond Andy Lou's cult of personality. I mean, in general, you should never get that upset by what Andy says. If you get upset by what Andy says, you lost. That's on you. So that's that's my general. It's like uh, it's it's all on you there. Um yeah, I'd agree. And I, I think the final point on this before we open it to questions, which I've now said for 15 minutes in a row, um, is teach. just because you're really good at coaching a veteran team or really good at developing, let's say, play or kind of working with players like Andrew Wiggins, who maybe are coming from a bad situation, but have gone through that does not mean you're necessarily equipped to coach a 19 year old. Like they're two different styles of coaching. So mm-hmm. I think I just think that's part of it. Also, like um, Steve is nothing if not like you know, like the Warriors kind of changed the way people viewed like how you should play basketball. Like everyone, like the passing and the shooting and everything with there, but that's that's scheme. That's like mm-hmm. that's philosophical. That's different than like skill development for a nineteen-year-old who's you know kind of like a, a young deer who doesn't know how his limbs. Like those are two yep. different things you're working on. Yeah, it's it, it's different and it's hard to integrate the whole thing. It's hard to get everybody on the same page. And it's, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if this particular game, this particular game could be the turning over of the new leaf and it could just be a blip in this bizarre season. But uh, I, I'm curious what the fans think, you know, if they've got their chest puffed out, if Hockey Warriors fan is back. Um, because this was certainly a game that everybody we'll get, get we'll get a cocky warrior fan back if they follow it up and do the same thing tomorrow against the Lakers. Yeah, you go yeah. back to back, 
beat the, you know, the hated Lakers, Southern California, whatever you want to say. And now, now you'll, you'll see Andy back on the timeline shilling for how great Steve is again. That's <laughs> all it takes. I think today though, I think today when you talk about how they've, they've had to thread this needle between building for the future, but also trying to contend this year, I think today was the best of both worlds. It's the first yeah. game I've walked away from and gone, Oh, like maybe, maybe, it's not going to be so bad with Jordan Poole. Maybe James yeah. Wiseman is coming along nicely. I mean, Poole's – can we just be real? Like, Poole's good. I mean, I don't, know how his good. Career, I don't know how his career is going to turn out. I don't know, right? I, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I got he to does. That. I, I, I said in the article about him that he was, at least this year, probably their second most talented offensive player. You know what? I fucking mean it. He, he is. <laughs> He can do things other guys can't do on that team. Mm-hmm. He can dribble and shoot it. at the same time, which <laughs> by default, like I think only Steph is the only other guy who can do that. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the consistency is going to be. I don't know if he makes so many defensive mistakes that you can't have him out there. I don't know. But just the skill level he has, what other guy is going to be able to do a sham god in the half court and get a layup out of that in traffic at the NBA level? Uh, it's pretty much going to be Steph. It's one. He's going to airball the layup after the sham god. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't, and look, I, I didn't think he was an NBA player first few months of the season last season, right? He was horrific, but mm-hmm. uh, he is talented. He is talented, and what is interesting about his rise is it's the potential answer to so many of their issues right now. And I think that is that's a huge development potentially. Third most assists today. Draymond had twelve. Curry had nine. Pool with three. Yeah. Yeah. Playmaker. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash lightyears now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. 
getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. All right, we're getting we're getting to questions here. We have first person on Mocha Joe. Are you going to bring spite for us, Mocha Joe? Always, always. Thanks for having <laughs> me on, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, so, first, two questions for you guys. One on Wiseman's defense, and the other is more hypothetical. So, Wiseman's defense kind of got a little bit. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the pick and roll. He was moving a little too high. Uh, do you guys want to see him switch on everything? That's my first question. And my second one, Yes. if Draymond was on another team, which team would he help most, the Jazz or the Nuggets? I'll drop off. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thank you, Mocha Joe. Ethan, I'll go first. Yeah, uh, the Jazz or the Nuggets? I think the Blazers, because that flirtation has just been there for years now, and Damian Lillard loves them so much. So that's that's the Western Conference team I always think about uh, in regards to Draymond. They've been they've been liking each other's posts on Instagram for like eight years. You're just waiting oh, for them yeah. to finally ask each other out. And Do you yeah, think they like like each other? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that 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 is the one I think about uh, for the Wiseman thing. Yeah, I love the switch. I loved it. It, it didn't work later in the game but earlier in the game he had a few good switches and then there was this scenario was it Clarkson I'm trying to remember who it was where it was it was Clarkson where he had the chase where he got him from behind yeah 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 and there was a play where the pass was mishandled the shot clock was winding down I think one of the problems with Wiseman right now is you almost don't want him to let the game come to him you want him to Mm. just take it and you know, you've got a mishandled pass. The guy's in retreat. He's 30 feet away. And Wiseman at that point is just kind of waiting there and hanging back. And then boom, head of steam layup. So in a way, I, I want him to do the switch and almost act more like a guard who doesn't need to be scared of these guys. Because as much as announcers make it seem like all these guards want is to have a giant person uh close to them in their business i don't think that's true not if the guy is acting like he is potentially a threat so i think i want to see more of wiseman not only switching but just aggressively pressing up on these guys and using that length advantage because he is one of the most athletic guys at that size yeah i feel like i'd rather see him foul out because he's being too aggressive than what's happened in a lot of these games where you can tell he's overthinking trying to do too many things at once. And it just, just leads to guy dribbling around him in a circle. Yeah. I think, I think the like peak version of James Wiseman is one where he can switch like that. And so I want to see him doing that as much as humanly possible. And like, like you guys said, he's long enough and athletic enough to do it. So I, I, I want to see him doing more of the things that he's supposed to be good at. All right. Yeah. We have and I think a, you can help have... the Jazz because if you switch Draymond and Derek Favors to answer the second question, the Jazz win today by 30. Okay, keep going. Oh, I was gonna say we have we have a new question. Chick, can you hear us? All right, we're moving to the next person then. Sorry, you get one one strike and you're out with me today. <laughs> All right. Jonathan, are you there? 
Yeah. Hey, how's it going, Sam? What's up, man? What do you got for us? Uh, I guess just one question. So from what we saw from Wiggins today, of course, we know like 11 for 15 probably isn't sustainable, but just that kind of mentality of driving and being decisive with the ball, what do you think kind of contributed to that and how can it continue? Go for it, guys. Hmm. I don't know what contributes to it with Wiggins. I mean, sometimes it's on and sometimes it isn't. I thought it was interesting how Kerr was tweaking him a little bit after some of the poor performances. And I was wondering whether he ever got that kind of push or prod in Minnesota where he was handled probably with kid gloves. So maybe that can stoke him. But with Wiggins, I just don't have high expectations. I mean, a game like this one is impressive, but I don't then expect something like it the next day. I think the expectation should be good defense, energetic defense, and average efficiency. And if he gets to a little above average, then great. Uh, And those are just my expectations. And maybe I'm not expecting enough because we used to argue about this on Warriors Plus Minus podcast with Marcus, who thinks that a championship team should demand more of him. I I just, after so many years in the league, I'm not there. I just don't, I don't see it coming. If it does come, then great. Yeah, I'm, I'm on I'm in the same camp as Ethan now. I thought earlier in the season there was this version of him that was that was going to play awesome defense and he was going to he was going to score 20 plus a game and it was 19 to 20 a game and it was just going to be fantastic and then he goes on this stretch where it's like 16, 15, 17, 14. And it's just it's the same guy night in and night out. And I got excited and I fell into the same trap. And I have friends who are Timberwolves fans who says who told me, like, hey, don't uh, don't fall into the trap. Like he's gonna go away. And I think don't put, all your, money. Just, don't put all your money in the stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think today was just one of those frustrating games in the sense that it's there. He can do that, but he does it once a month. Yeah, and, and I definitely agree with that. I think if there's anything I did notice is that Wiggins plays best when he doesn't have to be a playmaker. So if Poole can really develop or, you know, when he plays with Steph and another playmaker, it takes all that decision-making out of his hands. And I don't really expect much either, but great showing today. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, yeah, in general, like, I, the only thing I'll say is, like, you know, he's always going to be kind of held to the standards of the max contract. If, if you take that out the window – I can live with what he does on offense, which kind of wax and wanes as long as the defense is there. Um, Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the both of you where I'm like that boat sailed, like he's not coming back next year and, and, you know, turning into Paul George, like it's not happening. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, I 17 to 18 points a game with like average efficiency, but plus defense, like he can work with that to a degree. Like, do you want to pay him a max contract? I don't, but that's not my money. So, I don't know. We'll keep it moving here. All right. We got a, a regular here. John McWalt. John, you there? Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, good win for the Dubs, but, I mean, Utah's complete frauds until they can win a, a, a series <laughs> with this team. I, I don't put much stock into this win. Um, but it was great to see Wiseman play well. It was great to see Poole play well. Um, I'd like – I think the team lacks infrastructure for their rookies, so, and, and I think we see that um, with how we treat things going with our two ways, how we treat things with the G League, how we work with these young people, and they just seem to like float around. We seem to miss on certain people that leave the org. It just doesn't seem like it's a priority to invest in that. 
And then we invest in hiring people like Mike Dunleavy, who are just like complete crap <laughs> versus. And you know, like it just. Seems John, like is there anything? Talks, you know, is we, there we, anything like to succeed or something? I don't know. John, is there anything Mike Dunleavy Jr. can do to redeem himself with Warrior fans? Like I've been a Warrior fan. Oh, I got one. He can leave my home. He <laughs> <laughs> just. It's just like I mean. I don't think there's a player who was more hated while he was playing in my, you know, living experience, which is 35 years. Um, I, I can't think of anyone that Warrior fans hated more than Mike Dunleavy Jr. So, and it's, it's like a lot of, some of it's fair. Like he did take shots at the fans when he was a player, but like, I don't know that any of that matters 18 years later, but you know, I got to appreciate you guys not forgetting. So I never forget. What, what, never forget. That, 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 that was one of Lacob's issues. Uh, I, I shouldn't say issues, but questions about the hire was, well, isn't this somebody that all the fans, <laughs> all the fans hate? And Bob Myers had to go, no, it's not, you know, he's good. He's really good. Uh, you should let me bring him along. It's a pure Bob Myers hire. Um, it's not rooted in any affinity uh, among the new ownership group. It's, uh, I guess, former Bob Myers client. And I think it was going to be him or, or Brent Barry who uh, took his own job. And it ended up being uh, Dunleavy, but that was very funny to me when I heard about it. Bob said, "Get me a six-six white swing man. That's what I need <laughs> Get right me a now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Daniel, you there? Yeah, what's up, man? What's up? What you got for us? So I was wondering if do, do you have any faith in Bob's like ability to like? look at free agents and sign the right players. Cause this guy went to the bubble and thought, Hey, this Brad Wanamaker guy is pretty good. <laughs> Wanamaker, by the way, is high up on the list of players. He's only been a warrior for about 40 games, but he's very high on the list of all time hated warriors. Already. It's unbelievable how fast that happened. <laughs> he's, he's listed at six, four, but looks like he's five foot eight. <laughs> He looks like you ever seen that picture of Manny Pacquiao in a Warriors jersey? That's Brad Wanamaker, bro. <laughs> it, it, it did feel like an elaborate troll job where the worse he played, the more you'd hear about how much Steve loved him. It just felt like it was perfectly tailored to infuriate the fan base. Um, I don't know. Gets, gets us into our offense. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> everybody, every smart person uh, around the league praised that acquisition, though, if we do recall. Um, and so it's hard to know whether that was this big miss in evaluation or are the Warriors doing something different from what Brad Stevens did in the way of using him? I haven't really delved into it. I've been meaning to talk to some of the guys I know around the Celtics of, you know, why is this guy such a lemon uh, that you've unloaded on the Warriors so far? So, uh, <laughs> just that Brad Stevens magic. I, I don't know. I just think it's – look, I, I just think something went wrong there and has gone wrong, but I would like to know more details about it because we do forget. There is that creeping determinism where everybody forgets that this is a move that every single smart person said was great. Similar, I think, to LaMelo, and I can say this as a LaMelo doubter, uh, he looks obviously incredible, but suddenly everybody has receded into the bushes who was a LaMelo doubter and people who never spoke up about it were totally in favor of it. So that does happen when things 
work out or they don't work out. Thank you, Daniel. And I just want to make it clear, like, for whatever reason, every time I tried to tweet about how much I like LaMelo, it just wouldn't let me send. So, I mean, that's the only reason you don't know. <laughs> I, think, I, like. I think one of the things to remember with Brad Wanamaker is this is a guy who made his NBA debut at 29. And he was just okay last year. Like, he was fine. And now he's not good at age 31. Like, it's not that shocking that somebody that took so long to get to the league maybe isn't just going to suddenly be a really quality NBA player. Shout out Jack Cust. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. An incredible uh, pull by you. We're going we're to keep it moving. Um, maybe, maybe Wanamaker needs fans. Maybe he needs, maybe it's, <laughs> it's like, maybe it's like Ubre. Everyone was opining that Ubre needed ladies in the crowd to really get going. Maybe it's the same thing for Brad. <laughs> Wanamaker needs to grow out his hair. Bleak it. <laughs> <laughs> wear colored contacts would anyone would anyone not just immediately think he's having like an identity crisis if he showed up one day with like bleached hair he's like call me kelly now <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> david uh are you there yeah all right. you. hey david how's it going uh good i was just uh uh, I was just going to ask, do you guys think that like Wiseman's most likely outcome right now is a top 12 or 12, top 12, 10 to 12? To... Wow. I don't Are know, we man. Are we talking about like in, in four or five, like when he, yeah, you're not yeah, talking like, about like, like four, you're talking about like in three, four or five years or something. Okay. Yeah. Like four I, to six not... years. Do you think he's in that range? Man, I'm just developing more and more uh, epistemic humility on these things because you look at Jordan Poole last year and he looks like the worst player in the league and suddenly it's this. And so it's just had me so much more cautious about expecting one thing or the other thing. I, I would recommend checking out the podcast I did with Nate Duncan and Anthony Slater where they got really granular on it. Um, Nate Duncan would say no. Anthony Slater would say yes. I think I'm more towards the Anthony Slater Wiseman Optimist Club. I just had to Google epistemic. <laughs> well, that's I guess that's an accomplishment. I don't know. But <laughs> I just there I, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the idea that he's the fastest guy of his size in the league. And he does have a soft scoring touch, even if he doesn't have a soft touch when it comes to catching the ball. And that shot, I think, is a little bit, you know, potentially dangerous down the road. I just like the collection of skills. I just think that only so many guys in the league uh, have that potential. And I think that he is reputed to be a hard worker. And so I'm going to bet on the hard work and think he eventually turns into that guy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a little surprised that his offense is ahead of his defense. Um mm. But I started thinking about why I thought that, and I realized it was based off of the fact that, like, in those two to three college games I saw him playing, he was just an absolute menace on defense. And then I remembered he was playing against teams who had no one taller than 6'8". So that's how it's going to look. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with both of you. I, th I think the ceiling – well, okay, now I pulled my Michael Jordan. The ceiling is the roof, right? So <laughs> it's he's exciting because I I can't see – like, other than, like, I don't think he's going to develop into being a playmaker. Like, there isn't – he isn't going to come back next summer and look like Nikola Jokic initiating the offense. Other than that, it doesn't seem like there's anything he can't exceed at being a high-level NBA player at. 
Yeah, I think it. What did what did the caller say? Top ten two way center. Like I don't know why he couldn't be way higher than that. He just. I, I think if he develops properly, I think he's going to be like a really really damn good basketball player. It's just hard to see right now because he played three college games and then didn't have a training camp or a summer league or anything like that. I mean, per 36 minutes, which can be dangerous, but per 36 minutes at this age. Anthony uh, Randolph-esque. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty damn impressive. So, uh, you know, he might not, he might, he might not really get there defensively. Uh (laughs) <laughs> for some reason when you said Anthony Randolph it registered in my mind as Anthony Davis and it's right a yeah I was, I was I was I was a little surprised you didn't uh yeah yeah but I, I would say Anthony Randolph is one of those guys where I wonder if that is to quote Draymond on this idea of we don't blame the teams we blame the player um he had a successful European career man like really successful I haven't given up on him yet he's only 31 <laughs> I mean he's he's been same age excellent. as Brad Wanamaker he, he's been an excellent player over there in Europe. And I do wonder if he's one of those guys where it was just the situation. He kind of fell in with some of the worst franchises. So I do wonder if maybe what we saw in Anthony Randolph wasn't a mirage. Maybe he was just in the wrong situation. Makes sense. Okay. We're going to go for five more minutes and then we have to go. I appreciate Kyle and Ethan for coming on here, but let's get to it. Okay. Maine. Am I pronouncing that correctly? It's mine. Hey, aloha, guys. I'm I'm watching from Honolulu, and I just oh, want to check in. Oh, mahalo. Hey, guys. Uh, I just want to say that I've been watching Wiseman. Like, he did a great job today, but at the end of the game, even, he was still upset. Like, you could see his head hanging low, and that, like, that emotion is bad news in my eyes. And I just, I want to say, we got to cut out this big gym shit. We gotta, be, <laughs> we gotta back this guy one hundred percent and just make him feel like a superstar. Because when he feels good, he plays well. What do you think the superstar Big Jim could have done better today? <laughs> no, don't, don't get me wrong. He's he played great today. This was great for a for a new guy. And all the mistakes I'm seeing from him are like slow reaction time and bad positioning. Like you know, those hands are yeah. He's got to work on his hands, but <laughs> but. I think give him time and support and like back him up. I, I can see him, you know, like we were talking earlier, uh, what could he be in three to four years? I'm all in. I think, I don't think there was a mistake made by picking him, but it's going to take more than 30 games to develop a guy like that. I Can I say something on this real quick? Yeah, go for it. I would prefer he be a little bummed out by some mistakes he made than walking off the court today going like, like, all right, I've got to figure it out. You know, I, I mean, I'm guessing if they're doing it right, they're pumping him up and telling him, like, hey, this was really good and this was really good. But if he's personally bummed out because he didn't think he played great, like I would so much rather that than him just be kind of satisfied with, no, nah, okay, I'm moving along. I'm figuring it out. If he's going to be hard on himself, I think that's ultimately going to going to benefit him down the line. You'd rather have him care too much and the yes. coaching staff kind of push that in the positive direction than care too little. Yeah. Uh, for, first of all, were you guys aware that last year in EuroLeague, Anthony Randolph <laughs> shot 49% to three on 5.6 attempts a game? That's Was Anthony point. Randolph just born 10 years too early? That's he might have been. That is ridiculous. 49, 49%. Bring him in. He's only 31. 
I'm never giving up on Big Jim as a nickname. The, the fact that Bob Fitzgerald came up with a nickname that sounds simultaneously porny and like a 1950s <laughs> folk song is, I think, his greatest achievement as an announcer. Uh, I don't just want to relinquish it. I don't. I can't. Not only you that, can hear him. Sets up, it perfectly sets up a Slim Jim endorsement deal with Big Jim if he ever really gets it rolling. So it's everything nineties, everything nineties is coming back. So yeah. the Slim Jim's I'm, right there for, yeah, the, for the taking. I'm Steve Kerr with this. He has to fit what we want to do as far as the nickname is concerned, not the other way around. That's just how I feel about it. Agreed. All right, let's keep moving. A couple more people. Rayman, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. What's up? What you got What's for up, us? man? Hey, um, so just watching the, the Warriors kind of, you know, change positions uh, with some of their players through this, the season, I see, you know, Eric Paschal, um, you know, the question comes up is, you know, is he going to remain that small ball five? Is, the, is he going to switch to the four? I mean, when you guys see a future for him with the Warriors in the four position, it seems like, you know, he really excelled early on at that five spot. And, you know, with all these players kind of, you know, Draymond and, you know, Big Jim, um, I kind of, I prefer the Big Tuna nickname, but, you know, he's going to be eating up some more of those minutes. Um, do you guys see a future for Eric Paschal with the team? Um, I'm just laughing at Fitz saying the large lefty today. Uh, that's what I'm <laughs> Number two. It's I think, so funny. I think what Pascal's missing right now, I think if you're going to be a small ball five, you got to play mate a little bit better. And that's what works with Bam. That's what works for Draymond. And I just don't think we've seen so much of that. It seems like he's always hunting his own shot. He's always looking for that foul line jumper or when he gets those offensive rebounds or he's around the paint, he's going to try to dunk on somebody as opposed to looking for other guys. So um, the aggression is nice, but it just seems like he needs to expand the Madden passing cone for him to really stick in the league with that role. I was going to actually say, I, I, you know, he made a three-pointer tonight. Um, I don't know if it's realistic, but I feel like it's a shot that has to come around. Because if he can, if he can hit open jumpers, he can actually get some minutes at the four. Um, I, I don't know how much hope I have from defensively in either position, to be honest. But um, he can't play the power forward position if he can't hit threes. Like, not, not in... Not in 2012, not unless he's playing in like a weird lineup where everyone else can shoot. But um, for, for me, it's it's the jump shot. But I think either would work. If he can become a better passer as a playmaker, that works too. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ideally I'd like to see him in that four position. But, you know, his, whenever he takes a jump shot, you know, it kind of looks like he's jumping on a trampoline. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know how much confidence I really have with that moving forward. It's not a great sign that they said that they would work on it. By the way, Raymond, we appreciate you. Um, he was going to remake his shot in the offseason. They had the longest offseason in history, and it looks pretty much exactly the same. So uh, I don't know. Do you think – does this shot look any different to you than last year, Ethan? You were um, the it, shot doctor. It did, it did initially, but then right. it went right back to the dolphin kick. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where – if you get him out of what he's used to, it could be even worse. And so do you just rely on do you just rely on what it is? And Kawakami has always written it off just because he doesn't like the dolphin kick. I don't know. But the problem is it's a slight hitch. We don't call it a hitch. It's not Michael Kill Kid Gilchrist, but it's a little bit hitchy. And so Draymond has a hitch too. Oh, well, that's actually not a good good case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yes. 
Um, all right, last last caller. Uh, appreciate everyone who is asking. Uh, if I didn't get to you today, I will move you to the front of the line next time. All right. He's writing all your names down. Absolutely. With what's going on, guys? Jay Brooke, can you hear us? Yeah, what's going on, guys? What you got for us? Uh, all right, so I, I brought this up uh, while I was back with you, Sam. I don't know if you remember, but since Ethan is here, I want to target the question to him because it was inspired by uh, the KD chapter in his book, The Victory Machine. That was a really dope book. I got to shout it out. Oh, thanks. Uh, uh, so this idea came in my mind because of the, all of the mellow FOMO. Um, and I'm thinking, you know, do you think it's possible that Steph could have learned his lesson from the KD experience with regard to, like, the hit to his brand and legacy and everything like that, that he doesn't really want? Another type of, uh, you know, uh, player that could that could potentially kind of uh, infringe on his on his brand. Is that is that just at all at all possibility? Especially knowing how how much dick riding there's going to be. Like, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just trying to make myself feel a little better. So well, just you know. Um, I, I think Steph ultimately liked the diminishment of his brand is the only uh, part that really confounds that perspective. I think the spotlight got a little too bright for him. And it was to be on, to be on that sort of uh, tier of a plus celebrity, as opposed to just a or a minus is a huge difference where people are following you around and trying to, uh, I remember somebody nearly ran them off the road when he was with his family, just driving at some point, people were jumping out of the bush. That was really weird when Andy did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, yesterday. It's, it was commitment. Uh, it, was, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was It was definitely commitment from, uh, from him. So I think that Steph didn't mind getting knocked down a peg of fame. It killed Under Armour. I mean, just look at Under Armour's stock price since that moment. Since that moment right. in 2016. But I think for, for him as a person... Uh, it's been pretty good, and he wants his legacy to be about winning. And whoever can help him win more championships, he would welcome it. All right, that's fair. I'm gonna put it to bed. I'll, I'll never bring that up again. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jay. All right, we're gonna end it here. Actually, no, we we got stock question here. Uh, Strauss, Bitcoin or Dodge Dogcoin? What are we going <laughs> with here? It depends on how much of a role you have to play around with these new crypto coins. Uh, they can have a bigger return, right? They can just go up by a hundred, but you can lose everything. So if you want to, if you just want to make a play of uh, just being able to make so much more money, but potentially lose it all, then go with Doge or go with one of these other crypto coins. If you want something that's a little more stable and is going to definitely bounce back from a, from a boom bust cycle, I think uh, Bitcoin makes more sense. So it's all about what you want to do and how you want to play the market. Did you did you guys see our Oakland A's are going to accept Bitcoin for Huge. a sweep this year? Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Maybe they'll try and pay for a stadium in Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. <laughs> that's that's the thing. I mean, I don't I don't foresee the future where people are good, getting a pack of smokes with Bitcoin. I don't see that happening. Bitcoin is more like digital gold, as they say, where you get it and you hold it. And that's its value. I, I think that people who are treating it like it's going to be a currency or, or it just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe, but it just seems more like signaling of how do you do fellow kids than something that makes a lot of sense. 
I mean, Mark Mark Cuban's Mark Cuban's willing to accept Dodge Dodge Coin or whatever. I still never figure out how to pronounce it. I say Doge. Doge is Doge the way we're going? Yeah, yeah. Because it's a meme stock. You know, it's it's a speculative meme stock. So uh, that's that's part of why people are into it is because it's so stupid that it's memorable and that has helped it differentiate itself from some others. All right. Can I, oh, can I try one more Fitz nickname thing? Sure. Yeah, let's get on. So he has said Big Jim. Big Jim's the one, right? Today he said the large lefty. Do you think at some point this year, what are what what kind of odds am I getting on at some point this year he catches a lob that's like really high and we get a James in the giant reach? <laughs> no, because he needs to be on the precipice of uh, sexual and smarmy for that true fitsiness. And I don't think that really fits right there. So you okay, gotta, that's fair. That's you fair. Gotta, you got you got to go back to the drawing board there to uh, to come up with a true a true fifth nickname as he's talking about railing threes and big jam and whatnot. So a little more so a little more sensualness to my James and the Giant yeah. Peak reference. Got yeah. <laughs> well, maybe yeah. <laughs> it would have to be like James and the Giant reach around or something. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's. James with the giant reach around and block. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we're ending it there. I uh, appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, Ethan. Thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you, everyone who tuned in. Pod will be on the feed in a couple hours. <laughs>